We began to talk a little bit last week and to minister on a man, a man found in Hebrews chapter 11, but his name's only mentioned because it said, time would fail me to mention, and it mentions two, three, four, five guys' names, and it mentions this gentleman's name, Gideon. So we know that his life talks about some aspect of faith, and the story is actually a very unusual story. But I like good stories. Don't you like good stories? We all like good stories. And if you want good stories, there, there it is right there. The Word of God is full of the most amazing stories that there is. It's not, just, it's not like a philosophical book. This is a book of truth and history, and everything it says is true. And we want to build our church on the Word of God. If you want to build a strong life, it's going to have to be built on the Word of God. It's the only way to do it. Strong church, you have to build it on the Word of God. And so we want to get in the Word of God for a few minutes this morning. And I want to finish what I started last week because I really just kind of got it rolling, kind of got the, the ball rolling over the hill and down the hill. And so, but I want you to look with Judges chapter 6, if you would please. Judges chapter 6. Now, there's some things as I look at this story that I want to reiterate that I said last week. I'm going to say them very quickly, and we're going to move right on into a, a further study of this text in Gideon. My title is Gideon, A Study in Faith. Gideon, A Study in Faith. And you know what we're going to learn today? We're going to learn three things about faith. Three things, three pictures that we see from the life of Gideon. And you're going to see yourself there. I see myself there. And, and we're going to see ourselves in all three of these pictures, in all three of these, these places of faith, but we really want to get to the third one. The first one is simply this. We're going to see Gideon and all of Israel in a place of defeated faith. Then we're going to see Gideon in a place of growing faith. And I hope your faith is growing and your faith can grow. That's the plan of God that our faith grows. And then the last faith, place where we want to get to in each of our lives is victorious faith. We're going to have to walk kind of quick as we go through this. But as I look at this, there's some striking things that I mentioned to you. And I mentioned by introduction, as I said, we're going to move right along and go further. But there's some striking things as I read through these three chapters, 6, 7, and 8. One is that God uses unlikely people. And that's a good news for us because we're like that. And then I just noticed how God can turn every impossible situ situation around. You may be in a, a place where you don't know what's, what you need to do or how this thing is going to work out. But you know that those who trust in the Lord shall never be put to shame. Nobody ever failed trusting God. Many failed not trusting God. But you'll never fail, no matter how difficult, if you'll just keep your eyes on the Lord You'll never fail, and you'll watch God. You'll come out on the other side, and you know what you're going to have? You're going to have a great testimony of the glory of God. We overcame him by what? The word of our testimony, the blood of Jesus, the word of God, the, uh, the blood of Jesus, and, and, they, and the word of the testimony, and they love not their lives unto death. You need to have a testimony, but if you have a testimony, you've got to have a test. Oh, I want a testimony, but we don't want the test. But to pass the test, you've got to have faith. And faith is that unwavering, I'm going to trust God with this today. And I felt like somebody needs, I want to stay there, someone needs that today. Just keep trusting God. He's working. Don't get out of the boat. Stay in the boat with him, and he's going to see you to the other side. And I also notice in this story that God uses unusual means. You ever notice how unusual the Bible is? He uses you know, roosters and donkeys, and he uses strange means 
to get his answer and his victory to his people. Now, here's the thing. Some of you have a way that you think God's going to move. And I know there's principles, and I know that God shows us his character, but how many of you know God's not, God's not out of ideas? He's able to do exceeding abundantly. And I want you to know that God can restore things, and we're going to see the Lord do that today. So let's look at Judges quickly. Judges chapter 6, verse 11. Now the angel of the Lord came, and he sat under the terebinth tree, which is by Orpha, which belongs to Joash the Abizarite, while, uh, while his son Gideon, threshing wheat in the winepress in order to hide it from the Midianites. The angel of the Lord appeared to him. And by the way, we believe this is probably our Lord Jesus Christ in what's called a theophany. He revealed himself this way to Gideon. Now we understand Jesus was born in Bethlehem, but he had existed before them because he had no beginning and he has no end. He is the eternal Son of God. It said this, and he said, the angel of the Lord said, the Lord is with you. You mighty man of valor. And Gideon said, oh, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why, then, why has all this happened to us? Lord, if you're with me, why can't I pay these bills? Lord, if you're with me, why does my marriage have struggles? Lord, if you're with me, why am I, why am I going through this? And I can tell you, there's not only one answer for that. We're going to give one here, but there's, that's a multi-layered answer. And it's all, so just keep that in mind. Why has all this happened to us? And where... Where are all his miracles, which our forefathers told us about, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hand of the Midianites. And the Lord turned to him and said, Go in this, your, this might of yours, and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have not I sent you? So we're going to look today how that faith operated in Gideon's life. Father, we ask you to bless the reading of your word. May it be like an arrow that hits his mark. I want you to bless everyone, Father. I pray a blessing as we receive your word today. In Jesus' name, amen. First thing I want you to see is this, defeated faith. And I'm going to look at some symptoms of defeated faith. We're going to look at the characteristics of that. But one of the things I want you to see is that you know that God doesn't have defeat planned for his children? Now, if you're defeated today, and, and by the way, we've all had areas of defeat, so don't be beat up on that. But the fact is, from God's vantage point, he does not have defeat in mind. He has victory and blessing and fulfillment in mind. Jesus said, I've come that you may have life and that you may have it abund more abundantly. The Amplified says, till it overflows. That doesn't sound like defeat to me. Now, how do I know? Now, now, as we look at Israel right now, as we look, they're, they're captive to the Midianites. A whole other nation has had them captive for seven long years. But that wasn't the plan of God. Why? How do I know that? Because before Moses ever went down into Egypt, the Lord met him at a burning bush. And the Lord says this. This is uh, Exodus 3 and 8. said something like this. Moses, this is my plan. My plan for my people is I'm bringing them in to a land that flows with milk and honey. But did the people of God fulfill that? No. For 40 years, here's a promise of what God wants to do. But yet for 40 years, it was like a carrot on a stick. Not God's fault, by the way. And so then another generation came on the scene under Joshua. And God reiterated once again what his perfect plan was. Joshua now, Moses has gone off the scene. And I'm paraphrasing, of course. Moses has gone off the scene. 
And now I'm calling you to lead these people. And by the way, Joshua, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. I'm going to give you this land. I want you to meditate on the Word of God. And as you meditate day and night on the Word of God, what did he say? Joshua, I'm going to give you a failure? No. I'm going to give you great success. You're going to, you're going to, you're going to give this land. You're going, to, you're going to give out this land. You're going to lead these people in. This is my plan for you. Not defeat, victory. And guess what? For a long time, they lived in victory. Many years lived in victory. But then all, now here's, here's a leadership lesson. Strong leadership is important. The right leadership is important. How many know there is leadership in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ? Ephesians talks about that. Because godly leadership in your home is going to make all the difference in the world. I, I can tell you, I've seen one godly person in a home keep that home sanctified and strong. One person saying, hey, let's read the word of God. One person that say, hey, let's get down and pray. Hey, let's turn that off. Let's talk to God. Let, let's go to church on Sunday. I've seen one person that was fervent and zealous for God make an incredible difference in the direction of where that family goes. And so what happened is we know in the first part of Judges, it said that another generation arose who did not, who did not know Joshua, who didn't know the miracles. It was a generation that wasn't as committed they weren't entrusting in God. They weren't holy and godly. And then all of a sudden, they get to where we are here today. And there was like seven cycles of this. But here they are, and I've given you those promises in Exodus and in Joshua, and God giving his clear word. And yet, here the people of God in complete defeat for seven long years. It wasn't the plan of God that that should happen, but it, but it did happen. But you say, well, those old Israelites. But you know what? Don't be too hard on the Israelites. Because think about what Jesus has done for you. He died for your sins. He was buried and put in the grave. He came out of the grave on the third day. He has blessed you. He has blessed your past. He's blessing you in the present. And he even has incredible blessing in heaven in the future for you, and yet we still live in defeat sometime, don't we? How can we live in defeat when we serve the one that busted out of the grave? Because sometimes we live in defeated faith. So I want to show you why. I want to know why. Why were the Israelites defeated, and why do we get defeated? I want you to look at verse 10, Judges chapter 6 and verse 10. The first thing that happened, I'm going to read this verse again, Judges 6 and verse 10. Also, I said to you, I am the Lord your God. Do not fear the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. This is what God said to them. Don't fear the Amorites. I'm going to bring you into the, into the land. Don't fear all the tribes, all the ites, the Canaanites, the Hivites, the Perizzites, etc. Don't fear them. But notice the next phrase, but you did not obey my voice. Do you see that? Is that up there? You did not obey my voice. Here's the first reason for faith being defeated, and that's that we ignore the counsel of the Word of God. How I many know it's a very unwise thing to ignore the Word of God in your life and in your family? Don't ever take the Word of God lightly. So what happens, Pastor, when, when I take the Word of God lightly in my life, in my family? What's happened in a church? If a church starts getting light on the preaching of the Word of God and we start adopting other things, this is God's means right here. Are you hearing me, church? This is God's means so what happens? I want, to, I, want you, I want to give you three words, and I want you to take your Bible. I see many of you have your Bible. Turn to James. James chapter 1. 
I want to show you, hold your place in Judges, and I'm going to show you in James chapter 1, beginning of verse 21, I'm going to give you three words that describe what happens when we take the Word of God lightly. Three words. The first word is in the text, and I'll read it, I'll comment on it when I read it. James 1 and verse 21. Here's what it said. Therefore lay aside all filthiness and the overflow of wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. That simply stated is have a humble, teachable spirit. Meekness means teachable. You've got a humble spirit. Receive with meekness. Don't think you know it all. We talk too much and we listen too little. That's a great place to say amen. It's hard to even talk to anyone anymore because you're about halfway through your sentence and they're already talking. I'm telling you, it drives me crazy. I'm thinking this is supposed to be a conversation here. We need to learn to listen But most of all, we need to learn to listen to God and receive with meekness the engrafted word. Now, notice this. Be a doer of the word and not a hearer only. Notice this. Deceiving yourselves. The first thing that happens when we take the word of God lightly, we deceive ourselves. Because just hearing the word of God won't do much for us. It will do something for us, but it won't do what God wants to do in us. So we deceive ourselves. Here's the second thing that happens We deprive ourselves. Look at verse 25. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it is not a forgetful hearer, but is a doer of the word. He will be, look at that. Come on, say it. He will be blessed. Do you realize when we take the word of God lightly, what happens is we deprive ourselves of what God wants to do. He wants to bless us through his word. He wants to show us Christ. He wants to enrich our souls. He wants to make us strong. God has so much he wants to do. But when we take the word of God lightly, we miss that blessing. We deprive ourselves. He said, the one who will be blessed, he will be blessed. Don't you want to be blessed? Blessed is is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his what? Delight is in the law of the Lord. And he's like a tree planted by the rivers of water, whose roots go down deep. Come on. You get a blessing from the word of God, but we deprive ourselves if we take the word of God lightly. Now, I'm going to show you Israel. But I'm going to go back to Judges in just a moment. I'm going to show you they're absolutely impoverished. Why? Because they took the word of God lightly. And here's another thing we do. We devalue ourselves. Look at verse 26. It says here, If anyone among you thinks he's religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his own heart, this one's religion is it's, it's useless. So we deceive ourselves, we deprive ourselves of blessing, and we devalue ourselves. Our religion becomes useless if we just listen and we don't apply the Word of God and let it bring good fruit to us. That's what happens when we don't choose to obey the Word of God. Now, here's something else that happens, and that's this. When we take the Word of God lightly, Satan deceives us into believing there will be no consequences because we're God's children. I mean, you know, Israel thought, I'm sure, hey, we're the covenant people of God. In fact, the Jews in Jesus' day constantly did this. Remember when Jesus said, I could raise up stones, Abraham's children from these stones. Don't claim that you're Abraham. It wasn't the physical descent, but it was the heart that Jesus wanted. And so what happens is Satan will lie, and you'd be very surprised at how many people believe that because I'm a Christian, I can sin 
and there's no consequence. Do you realize that's the oldest lie that Satan has? And you say, really, Pastor? Absolutely. Listen to the first lie. You want to hear it? Genesis chapter chapter 3. Here's the oldest lie. Chapter 3 in Genesis, verse 5. Now, I'm going to paraphrase a little bit here, but I'll read it first. Verse 2, Genesis 3, 2. And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the trees in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Verse 4. Then the serpent said to the woman, There won't be any consequences. Look at that. You won't die. No consequence. You can, you can take the word of God lightly. You can disobey the word of God. Look, you shall not surely die. For God knows in the day that you eat it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Satan's oldest lie is sinning against the word of God, no consequences. I mean, Eve, you're, you're a creation of God. Israel, you're the chosen people of God. Christian, you've been washed in the blood. No consequences. I'm telling you, listen to me. The reason many people live in defeated faith is they believe this lie right here. Listen to this. Nothing good comes from disobedience. Nothing. It may look good. It may feel good. It may seem good. But nothing good comes from disobedience. Do you want to see it? So let me show you the symptoms of defeat. Look at back in Judges chapter 6, verse 1. And the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. Now, I'm sure it's like our modern day where that sin is not sin anymore. What used to be evil, they say is not evil anymore, but only in the sight of man. I mean, no, this is the standard, church, right here. This is the standard of right and wrong. This is the standard of light and darkness. And it says the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. So notice, here's the first thing that happens. He delivered them into the hand of the Midianites for seven years. The first thing that happened is, here's the symptom of defeated faith. God gave them over to their own desires, which is one of the worst things that can happen in a person's life. You know, a good prayer that you and I need to pray is not only, Lord, save me from the enemy, save me from trials, storms, whatever. But one of the best prayers that we can pray is, Lord, save me from myself. I tell people all the time, you want, to know the, you want to know the toughest person you'll deal with? Go home and look right in the mirror. That's the guy and the gal, right? And the Bible said that the Lord gave them over to their own. This is what they wanted. They sinned against God, and then all of a sudden, the Lord delivered them over to what they wanted. And I'm grateful. Let me just add a little note here. I'm so grateful for the conviction of the Holy Spirit. I'm so glad that in, if we're in this state, and we've probably all been in this state from time to time at one level or another, but thank God that in this state right here, God's not leaving Israel in that place of defeat. The angel of the Lord comes and says, listen, I'm going to bring you out if you'll listen to me. And that's what the Holy Spirit does. When we disobey, when we sin against him, he loves us so much. He comes to us and he starts dealing with us about those areas that bring us in bondage and keep us from him most of all but keep us from his very best. So he gave them over to their desires. And then look at verse 2. The symptom, this is symptoms of defeated faith. There's dishonor and fear. Verse 2, they're hiding out, you know, they're hiding out in the caves, in the dens, and in the strongholds. Listen, that doesn't sound like victorious people. 
living in that. That's a terrible thing. If we're walking in fear and hiding out, that's, that's not the plan of God. You know, a lot of, I've, I've, I've recently discovered, and, and I know it and you know it, there's a lot of people that have emotional things that just control them, fear and anxiety, and, I, and our hearts go out to them, but the Lord can give us victory in Jesus' name. Look at, here's another symptom, verse 3, frustration. Look at this, verse 3. And, and when it was, whenever Israel had sown, the Midianites would come up, the people of the east would come up against them. So here's, here's what's happened. Whenever they would sow, here would come the enemy. In other words, they would, they would work, but no results. They would work, but no results. Constantly frustrated. That's another symptom of disobedience to the word of God. It's just frustrated. And then verse 4 talks about a loss of blessing. Verse 4, they encamped against them and destroyed the produce of the earth. Loss of blessing. So about the time, listen, can you imagine how frustrated this would be if you had a garden and you planted the seed and you kept the weeds out and you kept it watered and you kept it taken care of? And then about the time that you were going to harvest that corn. I have, I have a peach tree in my backyard and I go out there and look at it every once in a while. Somebody told me that I said, oh, I like peaches. I thought, don't be touching my peach now. I may give you a little bit, but don't be taking my peaches. But think about it. And you're sowing and you're believing. And then about the time the answer you think is going to come or the blessing is going to come. And then it says here that the, the produce would be destroyed. It would be devoured. You know, the Bible does talk about a devourer. Satan is the devourer. And then another symptom of defeated faith, I'm going to hurry here, is in verse 5. that The Bible says the Midianites would just enter the land whenever they wanted to. There was, just, there was no strength of resistance of the enemy. And the, the enemy would just traffic in and traffic out. There's a lot of people that they have errors of life. There's no resistance over it. But the Bible says that we need to give no place to the devil. You need to tell the devil, No. If the enemy wants to traffic in your life, you need to say, no, you're not trafficking in my marriage or on my children or on my finances or in my life. No, he needs to be resisted. We need to resist the enemy. And then there's just this loss of strength. And as I mentioned, seven long years, seven years, loss of strength. They were controlled by something else and some another nation. So what about us? What bondage have we settled for? Seven years. You know, to me, after two seconds, I'm calling, I'm calling on God. I want out of this, right? But you realize, I realize as I read this and know a little about human nature, and that's this. People can live in this kind of bondage, and it becomes a part of their identity. They get used to it. Some, this may sound crazy, but some people... They, they identify more with bondage than freedom. They wouldn't know what to do free because they've been bound so long. It's become their identity. But friend, our identity needs to be who God says we are. We're his beloved children. He said, I want you to be free and whom the Son sets free is free indeed. The Lord wants you to be whole in every way. I mean, aren't we moving toward heaven? In heaven, there's going to be wholeness. But we do have the earnest now we have the deposit now. There should be freedom in our lives. And so I just was amazed at how for seven long years that they just got used to that. Don't get used to it. I'm, I'm asking you, don't get used to it. How about it? Don't, whatever it is in your life, don't get used to it because you're going to overcome it in the name of Jesus. 
But here's what I want you to see as we go to the next one quickly. Your place of desperation is the beginning of your victory. You ever notice in the Bible how many times that when someone got desperate, all of a sudden the miracle was right there. Blind Bartimaeus crying out, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. They were trying to quiet him down. And then as in his desperate moment, he had about that much moment because Jesus was coming by and he probably knew he wasn't coming back. He said, I'm not going to let go of my moment. And that moment of desperation is the beginning of victory. And the Lord healed him. What about the Canaanite lady? He called her a dog. <laughs> you know, people get offended so easily today over silly stuff. Here's a lady he called a dog and then she kept coming. She kept coming. Even the dogs, get little dogs, get the crumbs. Jesus said, that's really what I wanted from you. I just wanted to see if you had that kind of faith. Do you realize the beginning? Desperation is the beginning of a breakthrough. It's the beginning of a victory. It's a beginning. The, the psalmist says, in my desperation, I prayed, and the Lord listened to me, and he saved me from all my trouble. In my desperation, in my desperate moment. Now, you know what? Israel had been there for seven long years. In fact, I, I, I didn't have time. God sent them, when they began to cry to the Lord, God sent them a prophet and began to speak to them. And isn't it interesting? When, when the Lord began to speak to them, it wasn't some other kind of word. You know, when God speaks to us, where, where you started to get defeated, when God begins to deal with you again, it's going to be the same word of God that confronts you, not another one. And the prophet came as they cried to the Lord. And the Lord did something. So that's a defeated faith. But then all of a sudden, Gideon's faith starts growing. Now look at verse 11. Here's what I want you to see. Faith grows in the presence of the Lord. You ever notice how when you, you get in the, you know, in, the right, in the right atmosphere, let me say it that way, is you get whatever is in that atmosphere. You ever notice if you get around people full of faith, you seem to be pulled up in faith. You ever notice you get around negative, gripey, complaining people, you, ought, you get in a bad mood. You th- it kind of rubs off on you because we're influenced by that, right? And that's why it's so important that our children hang around the right kind of children. 1 Corinthians 15, evil companionship corrupts good manners. So if you get your children around the wrong children, you're, you're, you're getting them going in the wrong direction. But you know what happens when we get in the presence of the Lord? Faith begins to grow in our lives. Faith begins to soar in the presence of the Lord. It's amazing as, as faith begins to be built. And that's why it's important. The, the Sunday worship is vital. We're not smarter than God. You hear me? Get, stay at home in your jammies, not working. Come on, get out your jammies. Get here. Come on, get out your jammies, your little, little foot shoes, little uh, slippers. Come on. Comb your hair, get the bed head out, come on, and get to the house of God. We are not smarter than God. You neglect worship, you neglect prayer, you neglect the word of God. What happens is, is faith gets weak and victory starts to be lost. Part of the expression of our faith is just the means of grace, praying and reading. That's an expression of our faith. See, and I'm going to show you this. Here's... Faith, think about this. Faith begins to grow when, when, see, here's Gideon completely defeated. He's threshing wheat in a wine press. They're hiding in caves. They're hiding in dens. Their blessing is being destroyed. They are completely defeated. And then, all of a sudden, think about this, 
the angel of the Lord shows up. The Lord Jesus shows up. And in his, listen, in his presence, faith begins to soar. Amen? Now think about this. Think about this, just this example. Do you remember the, the disciples? Three of them went up on the mountain with Jesus, right? The Mount of Transfiguration. As they were up on the Mount of Transfiguration, Jesus was transfigured there. Supernatural things were happening. But listen, there were nine disciples that were on the bottom of the mountain. And when Jesus came off that mountain... The Bible says they were confronting a boy with a demon, but they could not cast the demon out. Right? And as they could not cast the demon out, finally Jesus cast the demon out in Matthew 17. And what, what the scripture says, what he said, they, later they said, why couldn't we cast him out? You know what the answer was? And I'm paraphrasing, you haven't been in my presence. Your faith is weak. Here's what he said. This kind does not go out except by what? Fasting and prayer. Or prayer and fasting. In other words, if you want faith to soar, get in my presence. You want power to cast demons out and to to push the enemy back and win victories for the Lord? This kind, this kind of victory does not happen except through prayer and fasting. And here's Gideon completely defeated. But all of a sudden, the Lord Jesus, as the angel of the Lord, shows up. And all of a sudden, his faith begins to grow as God began to move in his life. And I had this illustrated on the Wednesday, Wednesday of district council. They had a service plan where it's like three hours of prayer. And they would have some worship intermittent with, with prayer. You know, we'd pr- worship for a while. We'd go over and you'd pray at a prayer wall or you could take communion or you could have people pray with you. And it was just like three, it might have been four hours of prayer. And when we first started, there was certainly, there was the, I could sense the presence of the Lord, but it was amazing. The more the more we prayed, it was just glory and then glory and glory. And it was just thicker and stronger and more glorious. And it was more amazing. Why? Because in God's presence, faith soars. It's amazing if you will shut yourself away and get in the presence of God, faith will, will soar. Faith will just soar. Faith also grows as we renew our minds in the truth. Notice what the angel of the Lord was saying to him. The Lord is with you. You mighty man of valor. He saw himself. God saw him differently. And I mentioned this last week. I'm going to say it again. Because I think human beings sell themselves short. God has more faith in you than you have in yourself. Now we shouldn't trust ourselves. Uh, of course not. We're fallible human beings. We're weak in many ways. But listen, you and I are created in God's image. Every one of you have something to contribute to God's kingdom and God's work. Every one of you. I'm absolutely amazed at how wonderfully people are put together. You remember the, remember the ABC News deal several years ago? It might have been five years ago. And the guy, the ABC News guy, would just, just travel somewhere in America. And he would just walk up to a random house and knock on the door and say, Hey, I'm the ABC guy, you know, whatever his name was. And do you have a moment to talk? And they would talk and say, yeah. He said, we're just doing interesting stories on people. Oh, I don't have anything interesting about me. And they would go, well, let's just talk. And and then all of a sudden, this amazing story that this person had. You know what? It made me realize people sell themselves short. Listen, 
You've been created in the likeness and the image of God. You're an image bearer. You're, you're, you're called to show forth the glory of God in some capacity, in some anointing, in some giftedness. And I want you to know this, that faith grows as your mind is renewed into what God says you are. And it really comes down to this. Am I going to believe what God says, or am I going to believe that old doubt, that self-doubt? You ever had that self-talk on the inside? You ever had that negative self-talk? Come on, you know what I'm talking about. You know, some, something you need to do on your job, and then that negative self-talk, that old carnal man starts saying, you can't do this, and I'm afraid, or I can't do this and that. You're selling yourself short. Why? Because Gideon needed to know this. Even though he was in a place of defeat, God's with you, and he's about to do something. You're a mighty man of valor. Oh, I can't do anything. Yes, you're going to do something, Gideon. I'm going to use you. I'm weak. I don't care if you're weak. I'm going to use you. Well, I'm from a small clan. It doesn't matter. I've chosen you to use you, and you can do everything I've called you to do. If I call you, you can do it. If I don't call you, don't do it, because you'll never make it. But if I've called you, you can do it in Jesus. We need to renew our minds. We set ourselves short. Faith grows as we realize the call of God, the power of God, and the mercy of God. And that's something Gideon captured here, the call of God. I've chosen you. You've been called. Every one of you have been called to make a difference. The power of God. Go in this your might and the mercy of God. I see your bondage. I see where you are. I'm coming to help you. He would say that to you today. Faith is also grows as it's tested. Now, in 25 through 27, what we see is the Lord said to Gideon, I want you to tear down that bell altar of your dad's. Mm. You know, there's some, there's some, there's some idols maybe generational idols that may need to be torn down. But what I thought about is this, that um, you're never going to get public victory until you, real public victory, until you get private victory. You know, there's people that are trying to save the world and they can't even get along with their husband or wife. Come on. Am I meddling now? I want to win the world. Well, you can't even read your Bible every day. How are you going to win the world? The devil's going to beat you with a squirt gun. Oh, I want to go win the world. I want to fight Midian and make these great victories. But you don't even have a, any power over your own emotions. You're, you act mad about half the time. Where's the joy of the Lord? See, faith grows as we win those private victories. And the more private victory you have. See, Jesus spent 30 years in the background. Three and a half years public ministry. We want to spend three years preparation and 30 years in the ministry. It doesn't work that way. You need to win private victories over yourself, over those attitudes, over those private, what, what the old timers called secret sins. He said, I want you to go and tear down the altar bell that your dad, that your dad's altar and idol. And encourage, encourage, he tore down that altar. So you need to get some private victory, marriage, finances, children. Stop trying to run everybody else's children. Yours are little devils. Somebody said, you know what's wrong with those preacher's kids? Those deacon's kids. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Thank God mine are almost all grown. Hallelujah. No. 
But uh, you know what I'm saying. I'm being funny, but you know what I'm saying. Private victories. I want to win the world. Stop watching that dirty stuff on TV. Trying to run everybody else's life. Your mind's filled with darkness. Am I meddling now? He said, tear down the bell altar. Faith grows when we start defeating those idols that are secret idols that no one knows about. When you start defeating those, and all of a sudden, public victory is on the way. Because you pray in secret, God's going to reward you. Come on. Openly. All right, I'll stop meddling. Faith grows as it's encouraged. Well, listen to it again. The, the, here's, here's the cool thing. The Lord said, this is chapter 7, verse 11. Listen to what the Midianites are saying, and you will be greatly encouraged. This is, the Lord says this. I want you to go down, and I want, you to, Gideon, I want you to go to the edge of the camp. And I want you to go down there, and as you're at the edge of the camp, just get next to one of the tents, and you're going to hear something that's going to encourage you. So he sneaks down there with Pura, I think that was the guy's name, that went with him. And, he's, and he hears somebody inside the tent talking. And the guy says, I had a dream. And he said it was, a, I think it was a barley loaf that, that rolled through the camp and smashed all of our tents. And he said, surely this is the sword of the Lord and the sword of Gideon. And surely, this is what the enemy's saying. Surely the Lord has given us into, their, into Israel's hands. This is what the enemy was saying. And, and Gideon got so encouraged. He said, we got him. I mean, you know, faith, is in, faith grows as, as we're encouraged. And Gideon's faith, as you read through this story, please do it in your own time. I'm almost done here. But as you read through the story and you meditate on it, you see how many times the Lord is, is nudging Gideon and encouraging his faith. He's saying, I don't want you to be, live in defeated faith. I want you to get encouraged. I mean, the angel of the Lord met with him. Uh, I didn't even get to the flea situation, which was an encouragement to him. Somebody said, well, you shouldn't have, he shouldn't have uh, asked a fleece of the Lord. He should have just trusted the Lord. But you know what? God's so kind. If you're not sure about something that his word doesn't specifically say, he'll make it sure to you. And that's all he was doing. He was just saying, Lord, I want to make sure here. This is a lot at stake here. And the Lord said, listen, I want to encourage you. He said, okay, Lord, if, if the fleece is wet and the ground is dry, and he went out there, and you know, he's saying, if that happens, then I know you want me to do this. And, then, and, then, and he said, oh, be patient with me, Lord. And he is patient with us. And he said, tomorrow, let the, ground be, let the fleece be dry and the ground be wet. And it was that way. And it just gave him this encouragement. God didn't, God didn't beat up on him for asking that. God's not going to beat you up for that. He's going to encourage your faith. He's going to make his will clear to you so you can have faith to trust him. And the Lord did that. Little victories, miracles, anointing. God said that the anointing came on him. God heard his prayer. See, there's three areas, and this last area is where we need to get. But we see three epochs of his life. We see defeated faith. Then we see his faith starting to grow, and he starts getting encouraged. But then this last part, and we'll, we'll wind down with that, and that is victorious faith. And that's where the Lord wants us to be. So let me give you the characteristic, quickly, of victorious faith. What is it like? What kind of faith does the Lord want us to have? Well, in Genesis 7, Gideon, this is amazing, he takes 300 men and faces about 130-something thousand Midianite army folks. So what is it? First of all, 
when you have victorious faith. Victorious faith believes that God is not limited by weak instruments. So if you look at verse 7 and 7, here's what the Lord says. By these 300, by these 300 men, I will deliver. I mean, there was 32,000 before. And the Lord said, that's too many because they're going to take the credit for it. I'm going to get you to a point to when I'm going to move, I'm going to get all the credit. So that's where I want to get, where I get all the glory and all the honor. So these 32,000 send all these folks home and in a different situation, they went home. And then finally, God said, he said, Lord, I've only have 300. He said, that's it. That's all you need. And with verse, chapter 7, verse 7, with these 300, I'm going to get the victory. See, victorious faith is, doesn't limit God by weak instruments. And then victorious faith knows that God's not limited by limited resources. I mean, what did they have? Tanks and F-15? No. They had a pitcher, a torch, and a trumpet. Isn't that something? Oh, well, we need more than that. No. No. God said, take a pitcher, put a torch in it, and then blow the trumpet when I tell you, and, and I'm going to do the work. Listen, if we just do what God says... And leave everything else to him. Just listen, just do what he says and let him take care of everything else. Not limited by weak instruments, not limited by limited resource. And here's another thing real, genuine, victorious faith does. Verse 21 says, And each man stood. Everybody say, Stood. Each man stood in his place around the camp, and the whole army ran and cried. They stood. The victorious faith takes a stand on what God has said. And so those men, they, they, they actually divided into three. 100, 100 groups of 100, three groups of 100, and they were standing around there, and Gideon said, when, when, I, when you hear me, you break, that, you, you break that pitcher, and you blow that trumpet, and then you say, the sword of the Lord and the sword of Gideon. And it sent such a fright through that group. It sent such a fear through that group. They started panicking. They started fighting one another. They started running. And God and, and, and Gideon gets in the hall of faith. He gets honorable mention. And time would fail me to say of Gideon. And I would just close with this. Victorious faith really just speaks what God says. We need to speak what God said. Chapter 7, verse 18, I've mentioned it. He said, say this, the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. Could you say that with me? The sword of the Lord and of Gideon. That's all he said. He didn't add anything. Don't add anything to the Word of God. Just speak the Word of God. Just say what God has said about your situation. Your situation will come around. Come on, amen. Your, your situation might be acting up. You may have some Midianites all around you, and you may feel like you're, in, you know, you're defeated. But listen, your situation will line up with the Word of God if you'll just say what God's Word says. Live in that reality. Because heaven and earth will pass away. Midianites will pass away. God's word will never pass away. The sword of the Lord and of Gideon. I mean, he could have stood out there, little 100 groups each, 300, and could have said, whoa, how are we going to do this? And it would have discouraged everyone. But you know what victorious faith does? It says what God says. I'm going to stand. And I'm going to say, I'm going to live and not die. I'm going to say I'm strong and not weak. You hear? We need to say what God says. And that's our little study. So the story of Gideon teaches us this. 
that there's no victory that's unattainable to someone who will surrender to God and will call out to God and trust Him completely. Can I say that again? The story of Gideon teaches us there's no victory unattainable to someone who will surrender to God, call upon God, and trust Him completely.